1: I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Tokyo is trading sharply lower this Monday morning, but other Asia-Pacific markets are mixed. The Nikkei is down nearly 2%, following a sharp depreciation of the Turkish lira over the weekend. Seoul is in the red as well, but shares in Sydney are in positive territory. Joining me now for a closer look at what is in store for investors this week. How was your weekend, Ryan Huang? Oh, it
0: was awesome. How was yours, Michelle?
1: You know, I finally made it to that Star Wars Identities exhibition Uh of Ah. At the Art Science Museum.
0: What do you take away from it? What was the standout?
1: I didn't realize how deep the story really was. I mean, I've only watched Star Wars about 500 times. I guess I need to watch it 501 more times uh, to find out about how this whole notion of making choices and how that shapes you as a person is woven into the story arc. Wow, that is deep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And you used your Rediscover Vultures, I imagine.
1: I didn't!
0: (gasps) Oh, well, you have other places to use it?
1: Yeah, that's right. Did you go anywhere this weekend?
0: Um, I had my nephew's birthday party and they all dressed up as superheroes. So (laughs) that was the highlight.
1: Too much fun. All right, let's start this morning in Turkey, where the Turkish lira plunge over the weekend. It dropped as much as 15% against the US dollar, following President Recep Tayyip Erdogan's shock decision to replace the country's central bank chief when an emerging market currency drops by that much. My first thought is, is there a risk of contagion? I mean, could this spread to other markets? We're going to get to that question in a moment, but first let's take a closer look at what triggered the sell-off. So, Ryan, why did Erdogan fire his central bank chief? And what do you think market reaction, why do you think it was so quick and so vehement?
0: Yeah, so to understand this, you've got to walk a few days back. And this is uh, around Thursday when the Turkish Central Bank hiked interest rates by more than 200 basis points. And this is more than expected. The market was looking out for maybe 100 basis points. So a steeper than expected spike in the interest rates to 19%. So Turkey is in a very different place compared to the well, most parts of the world. The interest rates there are at 19%. So... There is this ongoing conflict and tension between um, the central bank and the president. And also a lot of questions being asked about the independence of the central bank. So for a long time, President Erdogan has been not a fan of high interest rates. His reasoning is the companies, businesses, people in Turkey need to have lower rates so that they have a lower cost of borrowing. So that is good news for his economy. So he doesn't want high interest rates, which is what the central bank is trying to do to curb inflation. So that is this conflict between the central bank and, in a in a sense, populist populist um, policy making at play. So what's happened is now he has sacked his central bank chief for the third time in less than two years. So off the back of that, we saw the Turkish lira plunging because that implies there is a lack of independence in the central bank decision-making because the new replacement is a former member of parliament for Erdogan's ruling AK party and also a critic of high rates in Turkey. So this pretty much sets up a an environment where Erdogan will have more influence in possibly central bank decision-making and maybe a reversal even of the rates that have been going up. And to put it into further context... The latest central bank chief that was sacked was only in his role for five months, Mm. and in his five months, he managed to raise the strength of the Turkish lira by around 17%. But that was all erased almost overnight with that plunge of 17%. It has trimmed losses somewhat, now it's down by over 12% versus the US dollar. So, all his efforts, in a sense, erased nearly overnight.
1: Yep. When most people went to bed in Istanbul last night, their currency was trading at 7.2 against the US dollar. It dropped to nearly 8.5, leveled off a little to 8.13. And that's still going to be a big shock to many in the country as we all wake up this morning. Ryan, is this an isolated case or do you think analysts that you're talking to have shared that they're worried this could lead to sell-offs in other markets?
0: Okay, so that is a very good question because this has happened before and we have seen somewhat of a contagion effect in previous cases. But this time around, it might be different because emerging markets, many of them are in a different position of strength and they are in a much better place. And to sum it up, there might be some contagion effect in the form of how some financial markets, some investors might be spooked and tend to safe haven currencies like the US dollar or the Japanese yen. So they might be moving their currencies away from emerging markets in a small amount. So you could see some knee jerk reactions in the near term. Mm. But overall, it is not going to have the same impact of previous contagion effects we've seen in previous years.
1: We're going to travel south now from Turkey to Saudi Arabia, where the world's biggest oil company is reporting a big drop in annual profits. Saudi Aramco netted 50 billion US dollars last year, and while that is an awful lot of money, it's nearly 45% less than a year earlier. So, Ryan, with a big drop like that, you'd figure dividend payments would take a hit, but Mm. that is not the case, is it?
0: It is interesting because we are talking about Saudi Aramco. This is the world's biggest oil producer and Mm. the world's most valuable company so it's not so valuable in that sense now because profits are nearly halved Mm. to 49 billion dollars in 2020 so not that rich but still rich and then you ask the question about what's the impact on dividends because you should theoretically have less money to pay out dividends but somehow they are maintaining dividends and sticking to their commitment to pay out $18.7 billion in this quarter. So for the year, it will be $75 billion of dividends. And they say this is due to commitments they made to shareholders in the run-up to its IPO. So they did make a promise and they say they want to keep that promise. Uh, But you have to take things into context. The Saudi Arabian government owns nearly 98% of the company. So most of the dividends will go to the Saudi Arabian government. So they are pretty much getting revenue out of um, the dividends and this is important because the government coffers have been strained with the past year of what's happening with COVID-19 and all the policy measures they have had to do. Also, prices of oil have been going down so revenue from oil is also down so they do have to find a way to make up for that shortfall in revenue Mm -hmm. and to make up for that shortfall as well because profits were down where do you get the money to pay dividends? They have been raising money through International bonds in recent months. So that is the story we have here. Saudi Aramco sticking the dividends because they need the money,
1: and it also shows uh, confidence in 2021 and a comeback expected. For oil, so Saudi Aramco paying out seventy-five billion US dollars in dividends. The Saudi government will receive almost all of it. The company had the world's largest IPO, remember, back in twenty nineteen. Yet it's still listed just one and a half percent of total shares. Okay, on Friday, Ryan, we talked about how oil prices have experienced double digit drops over the past fortnight. Is this affecting Saudi Aramco, and what is it predicting for the year ahead?
0: Yeah, so. A quick recap of oil prices. Uh, We have seen a recent slide in them. So weekly prices are down by around 7%. And we are looking at WTI now just hugging the $60 level. Brent is under $64. But year-to-date, the past three months, it is up 25%. So you are looking at a slight recovery all in for the year. And this could be set to go up a bit more because you do have some optimism around the vaccine deployment, some parts of the world like China coming back online in many business activities. And you are also looking at overall the rest of the world just chugging along Um, But of course, um, you are also seeing Saudi Aramco, we've been talking about them, painting a brighter picture ahead. So they are also thinking, hey, this is going to be a good year coming back online. Maybe travel bubbles, we'll see more flights. So you could see some catalysts for oil down the road to push it up even more.
1: One more note about Saudi Aramco. The company says that ensuring China's energy security for the next 50 years and beyond is its top priority. And in addition to oil, Aramco plans to partner with China on blue hydrogen. Now that is a derivative of natural gas. Next up this morning, we are going to bring the discussion to Singapore, where Sabana Reit is back in the news. Quartz Capital Management and Black Crane Capital, the minority investors who scut Sabana's proposed merger with ESR Reach. well, they're threatening to block the appointment of two new independent directors. Ryan, what's behind the move?
0: Yeah, so this is a long-running saga. We've been talking about it for a good part of 2020 and it continues into 2021. So two independent directors were endorsed by, or rather they were nominated by Sabana and what we have is a disagreement. Minority shareholders are not happy with the nominations. So, this is with Quartz and that crane. They say they have met up with these two proposed directors and they don't believe that they are going to give a different direction, or in a sense, it will just be business as usual if these two directors are nominated. So, they are saying no. And this is an extension of the long-running saga where ESR, REIT and Sabana were trying to merge and there was, at the end of the day, an opposition vote against that merger. So that is um, the backdrop to this. And I think if that merger didn't go through, having the, and, um, the new independent directors being endorsed or nominated by the REIT won't make any sense because you are pretty much pushing on with the same plan.
1: Mm. in in our sister publication the Business Times Ben Paul writes this morning that perhaps it's time for Sabana Reed to be quote euthanized what do you think? so he has
0: actually raised a very few good points in his article and just to recap what we pointed out the endorsement of these directors will come in April 2021 so minority shareholders will have a say then Um, going back to Ben Paul's article he is saying pretty much what Black Crane and Quartz have been saying all along, that if the minority shareholders were not happy with what happened with the proposed merger, why should the managers who pushed for it, arguing for that deal to be done, still be there because there is a sense that the plans or strategic approach is not aligned. So why should the old plans and the old thinking still be there so he is suggesting that maybe it's a, it's a time to review if a new sense or change in blood should be introduced to inject more thinking or new thinking to this um, new setup that they or this new future they're trying to paint. So that is the essence behind it. So there are a lot of details behind what Sabana Reed have and Black Queen have been proposing and it's all in the Business Times if you want to read up.
1: Yeah, you can bet that the best-case scenario for Sabana Reed is something that's going to be discussed for a while. Now, I want to zoom back out take a look at broader markets. Investor sentiment of late has been dominated by inflation concerns and rising bond yields. So what's ahead for markets this week?
0: Yeah, pretty much the same story. Bond yields in focus again, and we will get a chance to hear the greatest hits from Fed Chair <laughs> Jerome Powell. And he is going to be giving speeches yet again through the week, and it will be in Congress. He's giving his testimony, once again, giving his outlook for the rest of the year. And also, in focus, Mm -hmm. other Fed officials will also be speaking. Also, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen will also be speaking. So, you do have a lot of chatter, a lot of potential tea leaf reading, reading between the lines, what indication they might be pointing to with the inflation in recent um, days picking up, in recent weeks picking up, excuse me. So you do have also, last Friday, this closely watched decision from the central bank whether to continue the policy for banks to have this sort of relief where they don't have to park aside so much money when they want to buy um, other assets such as bonds. So that was due to expire at the end of the month. That was not Extended, So we saw a bit of a knee-jerk response in terms of bank stocks being sold off. Mm. So this will be in focus again um, this week, I imagine, with the um, rates being a bit of a factor of a tug-of-war right now between value and growth stocks. So
1: that will be the drama that will continue to unfold. Well, speaking of speeches, one that I've been monitoring over the weekend, China's central bank governor, Yi Gan, uh, indicating he still has plenty of room to provide liquidity to the economy. So do you think, Ryan, this is likely to provide a boost for Chinese stocks?
0: Okay, so we've got a couple of changes to also digest when you look at what's happening with the Chinese central bank. Uh, so you still have, um, I guess the plan in motion, which is the long-term plan for the policy to be tightened because the Chinese authorities are a bit cautious about providing too much because this was the lesson they learned back in the previous crisis where they gave too much stimulus. And then at the end of the day, there was overcapacity, there were ghost towns, some factories have too much equipment, and there was too much slack. So they are trying not to repeat that. Same mistake. So what we have now is more of the focus being turned to what they can do to tighten policy. And you do have a, two new names now on the PBOC committee. And this is Cai Fang. He's a well-known economist. And Wang Yiming, he's the former deputy director of the, Dep- the um, Development Research Centre of the State Council. So you've got two new names replacing two old names who, as scheduled, we... Re- resign or move on from their post after three years. So all in things are going on the schedule and the script and you will be expecting the PBOC to continue their message that they will be able to do as much as the economy needs and they are ready to pump in more but for now they are Mm. trying to hold back from doing so.
1: Here at home, the Straits Times Index finished marginally lower on Friday, but the blue chip index still chalked up a gain of more than 1% for the week. The STI is now up more than 10% since the beginning of the year. So how is it doing this morning?
0: Yeah, so looking at the STI, it's pretty much mixed across the region. And if I look at what's happening so far in the opening numbers for the STI, it is just slightly above water by 0.1%. 3,137. So it is pushing um, very near one-year highs. And if you look at what's happening in the STI table, it is pretty much split across the board. Um, you've got half of it in the green, half of it in the red. And right at the top, Dairy Farm, Wilma International and Hong Kong Land, all of them up by 1%. And we were focused on banks uh, because of the um, action on bond yields. They are now gaining some ground on Monday. You've got the action led by UOB is up by 0.4%, DBS up by 0.3%, but OCBC down by 0.3%. So a rather cautious start to Monday as investors try to get a sense of uh, where markets are going with a few moving parts. You've got the Fed and also um, what to watch out for in Hong Kong, we've got Baidu. Secondary listing happening tomorrow. So that is a $3.1 billion fundraising that we be want well, to watch if there'll be a huge day one pop.
1: All right, another big week ahead for us then. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang there. I'm Michelle Martin.
0: Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg